Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Friday, December 8th, TH, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Turning to our weather update, Riverside is riding the thermometer seesaw today, with a high of 66.5 degrees and an expectant dip tonight to a low of 54.3. Now, looking ahead at our major news stories, the latest labor market report has just dropped and it's looking robust. The unemployment rate has taken a tumble, and the economy welcomed 199,000 jobs last November, signaling continued growth amidst global economic uncertainties. Also on today's docket, in a bold move, the Biden administration is contemplating an aggressive step against sky-high drug prices, considering the removal of patent protection for certain high-priced medications, opening the door to potentially lower costs for millions of Americans. And, we'll explore how a groundbreaking discrete vaginal ring is poised to revolutionize the fight against HIV. Aimed at empowering women in sub-Saharan Africa, this device could be a game-changer in the region's public health strategy. Stay tuned as we delve into these stories and more, here on Alex's News. Breaking news on the economy front this morning as we're seeing some positive trends in the U.S. labor market. To unpack the latest figures and what they mean for the country, we're joined by our reporter Ethan. Ethan, what's the current situation with the job market? Grace, the latest reports are showing that the labor market is still on solid ground. Employers added 199,000 jobs in November, which is an uptick from the 150,000 we saw in October. This data comes from NPR and the Associated Press, and it's being viewed as a positive sign for the labor market. Quite an improvement from the previous month. So what are the key incidents behind this increase? Key to this growth was the return of around 40,000 autoworkers and actors who were on strike previously. They went back to work in November, and this has certainly been a contributor to the drop in the unemployment rate from 3.9% in October to 3.7% in November. Additionally, over half a million people either started looking for work or found employment, showing that more people are confident about joining the workforce again. That's interesting, Ethan. Now, where exactly were these job gains? The job gains were prominent in several sectors. We saw significant increases in the healthcare industry, hotels and restaurants, and in government jobs. But it wasn't all across the board. Retailers along with shipping and warehousing companies, as well as temporary help agencies, experienced job cuts. With everything going on, especially the economy showing signs of a slowdown, are there any speculations on how the Federal Reserve might respond? Despite these signs, the Federal Reserve is not expected to make any significant changes to its benchmark rate in the upcoming policy meeting. There is some chatter on Wall Street about the possibility of rate cuts, but it seems most economists are not expecting many of those. If anything, the rate cuts could be fewer and more strategic. How are the average wages adapting to these changes? Wages in November were actually up 4% from a year ago. Interestingly, This is a rare moment where wage increases are surpassing inflation rates, though it's the slowest pace of wage growth we've seen in over two years. This can have mixed effects. On the one hand, it's good news for workers, on the other hand, it may reflect some underlying issues in the economy. Indeed, considering the strength of the labor market, are there any peculiarities or other related factors we should be keeping an eye on? One particular point to note is labor force participation. With more people joining or rejoining the workforce, there's an indication of confidence, however, it will be essential to monitor whether this trend continues, 
as it can greatly affect wage growth and the overall strength of the labor market. Additionally, the job cuts in certain sectors could hint at shifts in the economic landscape that may have long-term implications. That's a comprehensive look at the latest labor market figures, Ethan. Thank you for the in-depth analysis. It was my pleasure, Grace. Happy to bring clarity to these important economic updates. Stay with us for more news. Coming up next, we've got story two of three, and you won't want to miss it. Now, in a significant shift in healthcare policy, the Biden administration has just announced a plan that could completely change the landscape of drug pricing in the United States. Our own Chloe has been keeping an eye on this developing story. Chloe, can you give us an overview of what this plan involves? Absolutely, Grace. The heart of the matter here is the Biden administration's proposal to potentially revoke patent protection for some high-priced drugs, particularly those developed with taxpayer dollars. This would essentially allow competitors to produce cheaper, generic versions of these drugs if the original prices are too high, as the Associated Press reports. That sounds like it could be a game-changer for drug pricing. What led to this move by the administration? Well, Grace, President Biden himself has been vocal about the need to tackle the issue of skyrocketing medication expenses. He released a video on YouTube expressing his intent to combat price gouging, and this idea to waive patent rights is a concrete step in that direction. So, this is all about bringing down costs for the consumer. But how exactly would it work? The process, referred to as margin rights, stems from a provision under the Bayh-Dole Act. This gives the government the power to step in on patent rights and authorize other manufacturers to produce and sell a patented drug to make it more affordable, circumventing the original patent owner's exclusivity. Are there any particular drugs that they're looking to target with this? Specifics haven't been released yet, Grace, but it's likely that the government will initially focus on drugs that are both costly and widely relied upon, ones that have been developed with substantial taxpayer input. This isn't the first time the administration has taken aim at the costs of drugs, is it? Correct. The administration has already taken several steps, like the $35 cap on insulin for Medicare and release, and they've been moving to allow negotiations over some drug prices for Medicare. But this patent cancellation would be an unprecedented, aggressive move. How might the pharmaceutical industry react to this, Chloe? And what does it mean for the development of new treatments? The industry's major lobbying firm, PHRMA, has been quick to push back, Grace. They're arguing that it would negatively affect patient access to innovations. This plan raises the stakes for pharmaceutical companies. If they charge prices seen as excessively high, they risk losing exclusivity on their products. This could reshape how they approach pricing, especially since the taxpayer investment in these drugs is significant, an angle that's been highlighted given the recent funding for COVID-19 vaccine development. It seems like there's a lot at stake here. Any expectations on how pharmaceutical companies will respond if this plan goes into effect? Well, industry challenges are almost a given, Grace. If the administration goes forward with margin rights, we're likely to see this battle move to the courts. It's a complex area because the policy has never been tested in this way, and the criteria for its use are not yet clear. There are significant legal questions that remain unanswered. This is a complex and controversial issue for sure and it seems like there are still many details to be sorted out. Thank you, Chloe, for that in-depth analysis on what could potentially be a pivotal moment in the way drugs are priced in America. My pleasure, Grace. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. Good morning, everyone.
Here are some other headlines we have for you today. Actor Tony Shalhoub is returning as the meticulous and idiosyncratic detective in Mr. Monk's Last Case. Fans of the long-running show are eagerly awaiting what's touted as the character's final bow. The CDC has made a startling announcement about chronic fatigue syndrome. It's apparently far more common than we knew, underscoring a real need for heightened awareness and medical research. Over in the Middle East, rising tensions as Israel earmarks a safe zone within the Gaza Strip, a measure facing criticism from Palestinian groups and international aid organizations for falling short of addressing the grave humanitarian needs. A glance at American politics reveals Hunter Biden, the president's son, facing nine tax-related charges. This news comes courtesy of an independent counsel's probe and is sure to ripple through the national political conversation. And in music, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is smashing records with earnings crossing the $1 billion mark. Swift's tour sets a new benchmark in the energized live tour industry, reflecting the artist's star power and widespread appeal. In other news, a potentially devastating incident was heroically prevented as visitors to Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthplace intervened to stop a woman from setting the historic site ablaze. This act of community protection ensures the legacy of a civil rights icon remains intact for generations to come. These stories span a spectrum of topics, offering a glimpse into the wide array of events that shape our world today. We turn now to a significant development in the fight against HIV in Sub-Saharan Africa, where a vaginal ring delivering anti-HIV drugs is offering a new beacon of hope. Ethan, you've been covering this story. Can you introduce us to this innovation and its current impact? Sure thing, Grace. The Depivirine vaginal ring is a game-changer for women in Sub-Saharan Africa. It's designed to be worn inside the vagina and it discreetly releases the antiretroviral drug Depivirine over the course of a month, offering continuous protection against HIV. After successful pilot programs, it's now expanding to reach women in five more African countries. This expansion must be critical given the concerning rates of HIV infections in these regions. Ethan, could you delve into the reasons why this particular method is becoming so pivotal? Absolutely, Grace. In this part of the world, many women, especially younger girls and those with limited economic power, find themselves at a tremendous risk of HIV. What makes the vaginal ring stand out is the level of control it provides them. It's a discreet form of protection that doesn't require daily attention or even cooperation from a partner, as might be the case with condom use. That is truly empowering. But, Ethan, what do we know about the efficacy of this vaginal ring? How well does it protect against HIV? Clinical trials have been encouraging. They've seen about a 30% reduction in HIV infection risk when using the ring. Now, while this may not seem high, it's important to remember that this is an additional tool in HIV prevention, offering women who may not have other options a way to protect themselves. Its once-a-month application also means there's a greater chance of consistent use, which is key in any prevention strategy. Certainly seems like a significant contribution. Looking forward, what potential implications could this have for the broader fight against HIV, AIDS in the region? The implications are considerable. This isn't just about individual protection, it's about community-level health strategies. With community-based distribution and education, barriers to access are reduced. It could mean more women being reached, more infections being prevented, and ultimately, a slowing down of the HIV epidemic in these communities. That would indeed be a remarkable impact. 
However, I'm sure there are concerns and risks that come with any new medical device. What should we be mindful of in this regard? You're right to point that out. The depivirine ring is for HIV-negative women, and they need to stay negative for it to be effective, so regular testing is essential. Side effects appear to be mild, but it's still crucial to monitor these as the ring's use becomes more widespread. Also, it's important to emphasize that the ring is not 100% effective and should be used as part of a comprehensive strategy that includes condoms and regular STI testing. Keeping in mind those precautions, this certainly seems like a significant step forward in HIV prevention. Thank you, Ethan, for giving us the details on this life-saving device and its potential implications for women's health in sub-Saharan Africa. Glad to be here, Grace. It'll be interesting to see how its use evolves over time and the long-term effects it has on combating HIV. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.